Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Power Your Life Radio Show with host and success doc Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us today on Power Your Life, and I'm Joanne White, and I'm looking across at people rushing around and and thinking, what's going on here? Why are we so busy, and what does that bring to our lives, to our relationships, and and possibly even to our health? Well, we're going to figure that out today with my wonderful guest, Yvonne Talley, and also figure out how you can break up with busy. Yvonne Talley is an NLP master practitioner who leads meditation and de-stressing programs for corporations, individuals, and for private groups in Silicon Valley and more. She's also the co-founder of Poised Inc., a Pilates and wellness training studio, and the founder of the Sisterhood of the Traveling Scarves, an annual fundraiser that provides headscarves to cancer patients. Yvonne's book, Breaking Up with Busy, Real-Life Solutions for Overscheduled Women, offers women practical, effective solutions to the frustrations that are caused by a time-strapped lifestyle. She details a powerful five-step super solutions process as a go-to tool for dropping busy habits. Yvonne also offers a host of mindfulness-based busy-busting solutions all throughout her book, Breaking Up With Busy. Welcome, Yvonne. How are you? Oh, thank you. It's great to be with you this morning. It's my pleasure. So I was thinking that just oftentimes in the past I would say to somebody, oh, I'm busy, I'm so busy, and that for me that was an excuse. <laughs> I mean, even though on to some extent it was true, but I was using it as an excuse. Nowadays it's being used very differently and maybe with a sense of pride. Can you kind of talk about how we're using that vernacular right now? Yeah, it's actually really interesting. I've I found that this idea of being busy, you know, we live in a culture of busy now. There's very little downtime and and leisure is now seen as the new lazy. And there's a, there's some reasons why that has gotten set up, and that is when economics grow and incomes rise, time is seen as more valuable and we don't want to waste any of it. So we pack in as much as we can during the day. So we're and we become very busy. So if you're busy, and I'm busy, we, we kind of get one another. We're in that same, uh, if you will, same sense of energy going and moving and, and always being somewhere and having another thing to do. And it gives us this false sense of importance. And in a culture where distractions are so much in our, in our daily life with technology, social media, this constant comparison that's going on, and we're seeing other people via technology that, are, that look like us, 
and they're busy. They're out vacationing and here and there. So we want to connect with those people in a way that makes us feel familiar and similar. And we do that in all of our social groups. We do that in our, in our, uh, certainly in our personal lives. We connect with people that feel similar to us. And so if you're busy, I'm busy, we get one another. Now what's so interesting about this is we've kind of turned everything on its head because we go back 50 years and the leisure class was you left work at five, you had people to do the things that you needed to get done. And if you spent the weekend with your family or just having leisure time, that meant you had made it. You had really gotten to that place where you were financially successful and secure. You had entered into that dream state, so to speak. Well, we've turned that on its head now, and, and now being busy really identifies us as being important. We've made it. People want our time. People want our what we have to contribute. And it's just a way that we connect. And at the end of the day, that's what we're all trying to do is connect and be like one another so that we can have that connection. So what's the problem or the challenge with with what we're doing in in our culture and and being so busy that we're not taking time out for leisure or or fun or whatever it is or it's just so compact what's happening to us and to our relationships Yes and I think that's really significant and I'm happy that you bring that up because when this busy pushes into our significant relationships you know, busy is, is – there are days that are busy. There are times in our life that we're busy when we have to get things done. And certainly as as parents, we experience that. If we're caring for an elder parent, we're, we experience that, and we're working outside of the home. We have those times in our lives that are going to be more busy than not. However, now it's this constant distractions that are taking place. And so when this idea of busy enters into our significant relationships – it leaves very little room for intimacy, that emotional intimacy that occurs when we allow ourselves to be present, to be available, to be vulnerable, and to be aware of one another's needs. And when we're distracted by our pursuits and, this, this, and we shift our priorities so that our significant relationships fall in line behind those pursuits, we become disconnected with our partners. And it's very unlikely that we will be raised up and invigorated by our relationships if we're feeling tired and stressed or unsupported. And it's doubtful our partners will feel inspired and supported as well. So this is how busy, these busy distractions come into our, into our lives and really can have an impact on the emotional intimacy of our relationships. It also affects our health because when we're busy, there's this sense of urgency. I've got to get this done. So there's a difference between importance and urgency. Urgency is that, that fire bell that goes off and we shift our attention to it. Importance is typically when we're going to surround ourselves with some priorities of things that need to be done. So this sense of urgency, this bell, this fire bell going off all the time changes what's going on in our body chemistry. So we increase that, that sense of anxiety and stress. That increases the cortisol, and we know that that is the, the, um, the byproduct of stress and anxiety. And it, we are in this constant state of anxiousness rather than going through a period of being anxious and then moving out of it. So it does affect our health long-term and our relationships. And as you're talking about our health, it's also about our relationship with ourselves because we're not in touch with 
what we need to in terms of how we're doing, whether it's a, you know a health issue or an emotional issue or a stress stress issue. So that's really important. Now it's interesting because. Years ago, I guess, I'm not sure exactly when this book was written, probably a year or so, but but you beforehand had kind of like a wake-up call that really shifted your focus into examining that. Would you share that with our listeners, Yvonne, what happened? Of course, yes. And uh, the book came out about six months ago, but this event that we're talking about happened a couple of years ago. Um, And what had happened was kind of ironic. I was so busy... Uh, helping people live a vibrant and healthy lifestyle, growing my business, raising my daughter as a single mom, and that I missed my own signs of being busy and certainly overscheduled. You know, the fast pace, the sleepless nights. I mean, I prided myself on coming into work, getting by on four and a half, five hours of sleep, and thinking that that was my way to really be efficient and effective and to move into, you know, to continue um, moving forward into my career. And because of that, I missed my signs, and it ended me up in the hospital in the emergency room thinking I was having a heart attack when, in fact, I was having a panic attack brought on by stress. And I'd never had one before, and thankfully I've never had one since And again, the irony was that here I was, this organic, eating, healthy, exercising, you know, positive thinking person, and I thought, if I could end up here, there's got to be a bigger story to this. This this has got to be happening to many more people, particularly women. And as I dropped the shame of what had happened, and I started to share my story with other, with other, with my clients and with other women. What I found was, yes, in fact, there was a much bigger story that I wasn't isolated and alone in this. That there were, that this was this sense of just not being able to keep up with my own life and this constant having to do, be better, be best, continue to excel. And I missed that relationship, as you said, the relationship with self, and it starts there because we cannot help others if we cannot help ourselves first, and that's what I had to design. So I came up with these solutions and uh, put them in this book. And, again, I had been sharing these with my clients for several years but hadn't really adopted them into my own life. I was that, that cobbler without the shoes, so to speak. And so I took them and I organized them and developed them more. I went on to get my neurolinguistic practitioner uh, master training certification and added that into that piece and really began to work with that mindful aspect. What was going on between the ears was really dictating what was going to happen in one's life. So I coupled it with the practical solutions and the mindful practices, and that's what the book became. I I think the combination is 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 very important and wonderful because the, the mindfulness piece, the, the NLP piece, takes us out of the stress and into a whole different vibrational energy for for ourselves and so oh, yes. you said something that that just struck me you said that it's more important for women or more noticeable in women or that it's affecting women more why why so well you know it's interesting about that certainly um what I found was when I started writing this book, my clientele was primarily women. So this was my reference point. And as I expanded out from that, certainly I work now with men and women, corporations, individuals. And this is has 
moved forward now, this idea of busy. But this idea of catching up in comparison uh, is affecting us all. So we, have, we come into this a little bit differently, the difference between men and women, certainly. And there's, there's some real good reasons for that. Two-thirds of the women working outside of the home have school-aged children. And we are still taking on 80% of what's called non-paid work. That's, that's the, what makes your life go. That's the domestic end of life, the appointments that have to be kept to make life go. And we're still, as women, making about 80 cents on the dollar compared to men. And certainly if you're a woman of color, that drops down to about 63 cents on the dollar. So these are concrete reasons how this busy got set up in our lives. We have to be. We have much more on our plate, and I'm painting with a broad brush here, most of the time. And it has to do with economics. Now, where that begins to shift is when we bring the technology into it. Because technology has a lot to do with this busy culture, and that affects all of us. We touch our phone about 2,600 times a day, and we're on it, and average U.S. consumers are on it five hours a day. Now, if you have a millennial in your life, you know that that five hours is severely underrated there. It's much more than that. Um, By estimation, my daughter, I asked her this question. She's a millennial, 26-year-old. And she said, I'm probably on it eight hours a day. That's how they connect. And we have to be able to be now begin to put some boundaries in place that can help us use this technology in a way that it continues to benefit us and move us forward rather than becoming that comparison game, which is happening so much now, certainly with the millennials of the first generation that have grown up with this in their life consistently from day one. And, now, you uh, think... For- You're saying a comparison game. You're talking about how we're comparing ourselves to others to the extent of being busy, or can you clarify that for us? Yes. Well, that's part of what helps set up that busy culture is that this distraction. If I had to move back, I would say it's the distractions of technology and this idea that we are constantly comparing our, not the idea, but the action of comparing ourselves continuously via social media or technology, because we see more now. We have more of it around us. You know, we can turn on the TV or, or go onto our computer, and we're going to see someone that we can identify with that are, that's similar to us. And the question pops up, well, why don't I have that, or why am I not doing this? And it opens that door to often this kind of feeling of, gee, I'm not enough. I have this self-doubt that I'm not going to be able to measure up. And even though technology has brought on great advances, and I live right in the heart of the Silicon Valley, and I, and I always say this, that you know, we wouldn't have the medical advances that we do now if it weren't for technology. We certainly wouldn't have um, the way that we do social movements if it weren't for technology as quickly as we do if it weren't for that. The other side of that is it's in all of our lives now, and it has become a distraction. We know the the addictive nature of technology, and that affects all of us. And when we see things, it's hard, you can't unsee something. So we have this idea that we're constantly having to keep up with what we think we should be doing rather than we could be doing. You and know, that's that comparison it's not the- piece. Okay, and and again, it's as you're talking. It's not just from with, with millennials, even though they may be doing it at more hours or whatever. It's rampant. I find myself oh, yes. like 
not wanting to do it and doing it and then looking at the clock or what and thinking why have I put all this time mm-hmm. into when I could be writing another book or doing this or 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 going out with a friend and I still don't stop myself <laughs> Yeah, well, you mentioned something earlier, Joanne, about vibrational energy, and I couldn't agree with you more. You know, when you walk into a room, I always say this, you know, we walk into a meeting, and we have a sense of the energy. And that vibrational energy is something that's going to move in and out and through that meeting. And it's much, just by nature, people will have a tendency to move down vibrationally rather than move up. So if you're certainly leading the meeting, it's your job to bring that vibrational up, vibrational energy up and connect with everybody in the room. And that can be very challenging when you have people in the room that are already disconnecting through technology. They're on their phone, they're on their computer, and it's you know, you can't get that one-on-one FaceTime with people that is so important for creating vibrational energy and have the focus and the intention lined up with the attention. So it becomes very challenging when we have this technology. I would say technology is like the best, newest candy that came into the candy store, and we're all trying to get as much in our pockets before anybody sees us because we're so curious to try it, and then we try it and we can't give it up. So it's really about setting boundaries. It's really about taking that technology and putting it in a way into our lives that benefits us rather than distracts us so much as it is now. And it's and as you said, it's it's something that's happening within our culture throughout. Doesn't matter how much money you make, doesn't matter what you do for a living. Men and women still uh, experience it. But the additional piece for women with this busy culture is because it's really that have to piece. I mean, we have to work longer. We do make less still, and we are still carrying, as I said, eighty percent of that non non uh, paid work. So those are just concrete things that happen. You know, it's amazing because the technology is still going to grow even faster and more so, and there's going to be more of it. And if we don't get a handle on on what's yes. going on with us now, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. So, so that's important, and this book is very important. You label women, not label them really, but you have a, um, something called an OSW, which I love. So can you explain to our listeners what that is and who they are and who we are? (laughs) Not they, who we are. Exactly. Well, the OSW is the overscheduled woman, and I think probably most women have felt that way at least once in their life, certainly probably more. And it's that point in our lives, especially when family and career, are, we're building that simultaneously. And even if you don't have children, these are still the expectations and demands are still going to be placed upon you. We're more likely, as I said earlier, to be the one that's going to care for an aging parent, and that's certainly with you know 80 million plus. Uh, uh, baby boomers, that's certainly going to be something we're going to see even more. So uh, this woman is the, the get-it-done attitude, and it's deeply embedded in her, and she often will frequently will frequently opt out of doing things for herself when someone else close to her requests her time. So she's often putting herself last and has this kind of mixed sense, and this is important, of doing too much 
yet not enough. And that's where that distraction comes in. We can talk about that a little bit. But, you know, again, that tribal chant of the of the overscheduled woman is make it happen, get it done, be the best, give it your all, and then do it again. And this gets set up. It's an imbalance between obligation and expectation and the lack of personal replenishment. And that leaves many women especially the OSW, feeling as though she just can't catch up with her own life. And there's some signs that I talk about. Again, frequently opting out of doing things for yourself because someone else requests your time. And also busy just becomes the new normal. You know, again, this energy, when we get used to doing something or we get used to a certain pace, that becomes the normal. And I always frequently will tell people, there's three things that you can do. There's three easy things that you can do, that first step towards identifying where you are with this busy pace. Slow down the way you talk. Slow down the way you walk. Slow down the way you drive. Just try that for one day. Just try that for one day. That's going to give you a really very evident way to assess how fast you're moving. You might not even realize you're a fast driver. You might not have realized you were a fast talker. And these, this can be just an entree into discovering that, that, that peace, that, you, that energy, that constant pace that you're keeping. And those three things will help you to start to kind of unwrap that. And as you just said, breathe. Just take a deep breath. And often all the clients say, well, what's that going to do? Well, When we take a deep breath, we stimulate the vagus nerve, which triggers our nervous system to slow our heart rate, lower our blood pressure, and decrease that cortisol boosted into our body from stress and anxiety. So just a deep breath alone can make a difference. So try those three things, and while you're doing it, remember to take some nice deep breaths. And, you know, I think it's so important what you said because we do need techniques. And, and these are not something that we can't – I mean, these, the, what you talked about is something that we could do immediately. It's not, it's not something that we have to learn. It's not something that we have to go out for. It's something that's, that's kind of within us that we could automatically begin to do that would really shift us in, in a more positive way. It's interesting you also said that we, that we have difficulty because as women – we're caregivers, and we always feel that we need to do more for other people. And it's interesting because I, I, I've run workshops on the ability to just say no, and there are many ways to say no nicely without feeling guilty and yet being able to, like you said, set your boundaries because you need to do that to really take care of yourself. And I think, like you said, women are uncomfortable saying no. We mm. just oh. <laughs> yes. Yes, why is no. that? What? Are we all pleasers? Why can't we say no? Um. Well, you know, I'll go back to the overscheduled woman. You you asked me about the types, and there's there's um, five of them, and that we can we can talk about. But one of these traps that we get ourselves into is certainly saying yes. That you know, the, the pleasing of others, and it sets us up to be you know lovable, so to speak. But many women, let's just to kind of move back a bit for a moment. I was raised by a single mother 
who was very dynamic and, you know, she had six kids and most of the time, as I said, she was a single mom. And even I, with a very dynamic mother like that, who went out and made it happen, had a hard time saying no because I was brought up, be nice, smile, don't make waves, get along. Uh And so this gets kind of put into our system, our DNA, I guess. And so this idea of saying no, because as you said, we're the caregivers. Again, painting with a broad brush, we're the caregivers. We're the ones that move the generation forward from the sense of health and wellness most of the time. So this idea of the healthy no, that's what I call it, the healthy no, and there's an exercise in the book for this. And there's four things that you can do that can start to help you say your healthy no. Because as a woman or a mother that's caring for other people, even if you don't have children, I'm sure you're mentoring others, you're influencing people in your life. And when you set boundaries, those people that you're influencing and mentoring and caring for, you are helping them to do the same. You are modeling the behavior that, yes, my time, myself is important, and so is yours. And yes, you have a right to create this boundary because I'm teaching you how to do that as well. And so it's very important that we carry this forward. I always say healthy boundaries are like the handrails on a staircase. Everyone feels better when they're there. We need to know where those boundaries are. And certainly if if we're a parent or we're mentoring someone else, we need to be able to establish those. But this, and this healthy no is one of those. So there's four things you can do to, to kind of get yourself used to this healthy no. And the first one is practice. Practice saying no. Listen to it. Get that sound out so that it actually feels comfortable. And there are some <laughs> softeners that you can use to make that more uh, easy to communicate. And I would say practice in front of the mirror. That's the first step. Get your tone. What does that sound like? How does that feel to you? Maybe go back and look at a time in your life that you experienced something not too dramatic, but fairly simple, safe, where you wished you would have said no and you didn't. And go back and use that experience as delivering your healthy no in a way that has, is compassionate and kind, but yet clear and consistent. And what about, gee, I would love to, however, right now I'm just not able to or I can't. So say no, but still more gently. Does that work for you? Yes. Or, or? Oh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I have, again, it's one of those, I call them the softeners, and these are the words that we wrap around the message when we feel those messages might be difficult for someone else to hear. And in the case of no, it's, it's one of those things that we want to, again, compassion and kindness consistent and clear and use your I word rather than your you word. So I always say leave the door a little bit open. Oh, thank you for the invitation. I'll have to get back to you. I need to look at my calendar. I don't want to overschedule. Just like that. Perfect. But thank you. You know, a thank you is important. I and and one from the heart. Not it it might feel manufactured and uncomfortable in the beginning whenever we practice anything new it is. Just remember what's your intention behind this? You are creating a healthy boundary for yourself. And when you show up to do things and when you are connected to being responsible for something, you want to be there in that space with heartful intention. You want to be there and show up the best that you can rather than straggling in at the last moment with that feeling deep in your stomach going, here we go again, one more thing. 
So we want to be able to stay connected to that feeling and, and make it as often as possible the best feeling that you can. So I, th- I think what you said is important. Do it compassionately, do it clearly and lovingly and caringly, but do it <laughs> and figure yeah. out a way to do it. <laughs> you know, there it's you interesting. Yep. The other, just like last week I was having a conversation with someone. It's a little bit off topic, but it's relevant in my mind. And I said, N- you know, nobody gets into my house if they just knock on the door and they and they haven't, you know, we haven't agreed, like, a, you know, just to have a meeting or to have a conversation or a get-together or whatever. And this man was kind of shocked. He said, well, I have close friends that that stop by and there was such a a discrepancy in our views because Mm -hmm. I said well my friends know not to do that (laughs) and and they're okay with that so right (laughs) yeah and for each of us I have a very good friend that is like the gentleman uh, where her, she has an open-door policy. That doesn't happen to work for me. It works for her, and her boundary is going to be different than my boundary. And the important message to take away is set your boundaries. Like you said, do it, because it is when we don't set up those boundaries that, and we can talk a little bit about some things that you can do to just simply we put it in place for yourself because when we don't do that, that's when we become resentful. That's when we, we find ourselves getting irritable about things that, you know, they don't have the apples that I want today at the grocery store, things that don't matter that we're starting now to spread our energy or direct our energy towards because we're frustrated and we're not creating that space and time for ourselves. Again, it begins within. It begins within, not outside of us. So if we get it right within and we get it right between the ears. If we, if we honor our thoughts and we use and we look at our thoughts and our decisions as really magnificent pieces of who we are, then we will have more, um, uh, probably a, a greater tendency towards caring for those thoughts and making sure that they're resourceful rather than using our imagination in a way that moves us into that what-if scenario, here we go again, and into that idea or into that feeling of being irritable, resentful, and just not wanting to participate but doing it anyway. And I love what you just said. So how can we use our imagination, because you mentioned that, in a different way that really serves us and and helps us get out of that overscheduling and busyness that, that really is taking away from who we are and from so many aspects of of life. Oh, so true. And what I love about imagination, and I do use, uh, I actually use it quite a bit in, certainly in the five-step super solution process, we use our imagination. But we use our imagination every day, all day long. And we use it in the what-if scenario. What if she does this? What if he says that? What if this happens? And we are often shifting our attention into the past and into the future rather than in the present moment. Now, it's pretty difficult for any of us to stay in the present moment every single day, day in, day out, every minute. But the idea of mindfulness is that you can come back to the present moment and that you can use that in a time and space that's going to be effective for you. And that's where imagination shows up. Imagination is a powerful tool to use not only in meditation but in creating what you want in life. And that is an important 
as I said, an important tool, but it's also a really valuable and effective one because I believe that when you send your energy or when you create the energy around and your attention around what it is that you want rather than what you fear, that you are now going to, because the brain, the brain wants to satisfy and please. So if we send the thought in and we send the, create an imaginary story around what it is that we're creating, because that's what we do, that's how we communicate with the world, we create stories, that if we're focusing our energy and attention on that, then the brain wants to, the mind wants to please, and we will now start to look for signals and evidence to create that story more often. And let me give you an example of that. In the opposite, you walk into a meeting. You know, you're going to have a meeting with somebody that perhaps maybe you don't get along too well with, and every time you're in the meeting, this person drives you nuts with one thing or another. And you just you set yourself up before you walk in the door. I know how this meeting is going to go, and guess what? That person is going to annoy you, and it's going to do uh-huh. exactly because we're going to look for it. We're going to look for it, and also, again, I believe in the energy of that. So what if we went in with a different intention in mind, and we chose to look for something different? Maybe I, you know, I I do like the fact that this person always has a always has a smile on his face, even though he's going to say something I know is going to irritate me. Maybe focus just on the smile and just stay in that present moment. Now that might seem really silly if you're in a meeting that is abrupt and it's it's you know combative and it's intense. But those one tiny things, those tiny little shifts that we can make, where we draw our intention to align with our intention, that can create the shift. And we can do that through imagination. It's a powerful tool. I use it in my meditation training quite a bit. And it's one of those things that allows us to tell the story that we want to create rather than shifting our attention to something that we don't want to have happen. And, you know, it's wonderful, because, and I love imagination, but what you're saying Actually, not thought, but and what you're saying actually helps not only the situation and our response to whomever or whatever is going on, but it also helps within ourselves, be, ourselves because we're not in that battle to some extent about mm-hmm. what's going on, and we have a, more of a sense of peace. And again, that enter, you know, that, that's that whole energetic peace. So let's talk about the energy part of it too. Because you mentioned that that spiritual solutions in your book, spiritual solutions, and, and you live by that by incorporating NLP and everything you're talking about with respect to mindfulness and energy. Why those solutions and how will and can those solutions really help us, Yvonne? Yeah, well, we we talked on it a, bit, a little bit earlier, you know, the, the practical with the mindful. And the spiritual end of it for me, that was when I went through that um, health scare, I reconnected with my spiritual self on a much deeper level because I had I'd left that kind of behind, again, getting in that busy pursuit, living in the concrete world of, of making things happen all the time. And I forgot that piece, and I really reconnected with that. And what I find that connecting with what I call the inner voice, the intuition, that inner voice. It's a powerful tool for gaining clarity and igniting my own inspiration. Also relieving tension and, and being able to mindfully attune to the positive aspects of any situation. And whether you call it 
you know, spirituality, whatever religion, whatever belief it is, it's that it's that feeling of being connected with something beyond yourself and knowing that whatever that energy, whatever that source is, is always present, completely, fully, abundant, infinite. And that has given me a great source of confidence and allowed me to continue to transform and really look at my life in a way where it is something that goes far beyond myself. And I, I think in this book, it's about mindful intentions, clear and thoughtful communication, certainly healthy boundaries. Uh, but that spiritual connection with oneself just opens up so much more possibility, I believe. I believe. And I think that that is so important in today's day and age that we can get really focused on all the concrete what's in front of us and all of perhaps the negativity or the things that we don't have. But when we stop, take that deep breath, take a few moments of silence. In the book, I have a three-minute meditation. Three minutes and connect with your inner self. You're not just a body. You are a spirit and a soul, and that is all connected. So we have to nurture and honor the body, the mind, the spirit, and the soul. Always. Always, and I'm so with you on that. And and from personal experience, being able to do that and connecting with our, our soul, our spirit, our higher selves, it's so enriching. I get messages all the time that help me through difficult thought process, through doubt, whatever it is, and and just really give me the clarity that... 3D that the reality doesn't do as much as really feeling nurtured. That's the word I'm looking for. Really feeling nurtured from the inside. To me, it's such a beautiful blessing when we can make that connection. So for you to to utilize that within the context of your book and, and mindfulness and, and having people kind of de-stress and de-schedule themselves from all that over-busyness, is is really beautiful because that's a gift that that we give to ourselves. I totally believe that. Yeah, and and I believe that as well. And I also think that if you or I also feel that when you can open that space, uh, we can have and we come from that place. You just you look at life with a different lens. And certainly, when we're busy and that noise and that constant pace is always within us, we create no space. You know, we talk a lot about that nowadays. Create space. Space. I had somebody ask me what that meant. It means exactly what it is. Create mental space, mindful space, spiritual space, so that it can grow. And I use this example quite a bit. When you have a garden and you're planting a flower, if you plant a flower in between two big flowers and there's no space around it for the air to circulate, that flower will not flourish it might grow up straight you know one tiny little twig of a of a flower but it won't expand outward because it needs the space and the air around it to nurture it to grow we are the same way so if we're always busy and we have the noise and the sound and the distractions going on then we're not going to be able to hear the voice from within look through life through a different lens that may offer us answers and solutions that we miss when the noise is so loud. 
And it's so important to be able to, like you said, take that time, make that time to do that. I do something that I call a power walk, and it's really a meditative walk. It's not about Mm. power at all. It's about that reconnecting and silencing my head and just being in receiving mode of beautiful messages and guidance and whatever that sort of fills me up for the rest of the day because I do it early in the morning. And to me, it's it's just a beautiful way of, of starting out my day. I love this book. I think we could be talking about it for another two hours because we only, to my mind, just touch the surface of it. Can you give our listeners a little bit more about um, some tips before we have to close? Yes. Well, the first thing is look at it one step at a time. You know, when we start thinking about everything that we have to change, when we look at our life and we say, yeah, I'd like to break up with busy. I should break up with busy. Think about this. Think about your day and shifting that word from should to could. And that's going to allow you to bring in possibilities rather than demands. Keep your big picture in mind. That is going to help you to maybe get rid of some of the little things that you're doing that are distractions to you. And the first thing is slow down. Slow down those three things that I told you about earlier. Try those. Try them on for size. See how they feel. And also, will it be important tomorrow? Will it be important in a week, a month, a year? Ask yourself that question, and that will help you gauge your involvement in anything that might be distracting you. And if I could leave you with one thing, and that is use your attention and your intention and focus your energy on what you want, not what you fear or are trying to avoid. Beautiful, and it's true, because oftentimes we put so much intention and attention well, we don't intentionally do it, but we do by what we're attending to. So so to be able to do it with something that that we would like to bring into our lives is, is a beautiful gift and, and, a, and a shift that we need to do. Yvonne, you are incredible. This book, Breaking Up with Busy, is wonderful. Tell our listeners more about how they can get a hold of you, get the book, and more. Uh, you can get me at YvonneTally.com, and on there, when you purchase a book, you can get my first workshop for no charge, to, uh, Discovering Your Potential, and that's a 30-minute online workshop. So you can go there and find out more about what I'm offering and where I'll be next. Wonderful. Thanks so much for all that you do and for helping us get out of so such busyness that we forget to recognize who we are, who we truly are, and the joy of being alive. Oh, thank you, Joanne. It was my pleasure, and thank you for all that you're doing as well. My pleasure. Thanks again. Take care, Yvonne. Have a beautiful day. You as well. Thanks. Think about what Yvonne just said right now, because it's so important to remember that you have the ability to take charge of your lives, your time, where you're focusing your attention, your intention, and how to change, if you need to, that relationship with busy that Yvonne Talley was talking about because it really, like she went through her own dark night of the soul when she had that health scare and and recognized that she had to make some changes. So don't get to the 
place where you have to already do that because you have a health scare or whatever, really be proactive and take a look at your life and decide that. Thanks so much for joining us, and have a blessed day, blessed evening, wherever you are. And if you want to get a hold of me, you can go to my website, docwhite.org. You can go there and find a guest that are that are upcoming programs also or free articles and more thanks again you've been listening to the power your life radio show with host and author dr joanne white listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire Listen again and again and visit DocWhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come.